Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to another, what is bound to be another fantastic DraftSite.com podcast. I am DJ Boyer, but of course I'm I'm just the the straw that stirs the drink. All the great ingredients and what brings it all together is our man Buddy, Buddy Andrade here on the, the call. Give it to us, Buddy. What do you got for us this week? How are you, man? Hey, doing all right, doing all right. This is all the figure we ended the Pro Bowl, which really meant nothing to us. The Senior Bowl, which means everything to us. And we got the Super Bowl coming up, so uh it's bowl season. Exactly. To me, the Pro Bowl is essentially the parsley uh, on a uh, – you go to a nice restaurant, you get that side, you get that little garnish to make it look nice, or the celery sticks that come with your chicken wings. Why are they there? You know what, you know what we're there to eat. We're not eat, there to eat some damn celery. We're there to eat some chicken wings. That's, that's essentially what the can, Pro Bowl is to me, just yawn, yawn, yawn. I can totally agree with you on that. Like, <laughs> well put, well put. Well, you've been hard at work with our prospects uh, as far as uh, getting scouting reports up, and uh, just let let the people out there know, like uh, maybe how far along you are, how many reports are kind of on the site, and kind of let like that lead that into the Senior Bowl. I will I will seed over to you now, buddy. Take it away. All right, we're in the sixty seventy range as far as prospects up at different levels. Um, I got some to touch up from during the season to this point and some players who have slid from August to now to uh, give them a new scouting report, too. It's fun. It's fun. Let's just put it that way. You sit there, and I really think about the thing. I watch the tape. I think. I take notes, and I try to find comparisons and try to find, you know, holes in the story, basically, when it comes to prospects that others seem high that I just watch, and I'm just like, I just don't see it with this guy. So that is uh, that is where the fun comes in, is uh, being a different voice than what's out there. And as far as the fun, as you looked over, uh, it, what's really different, um, I've been to three senior bowls in the past, and it used to be where you go down to Mobile, it's a lot better than going to the NFL Combine, which is uh, usually more for kind of like the agents. It's good to kind of get some interviews and stuff, but as far as the actual kind of meat and potatoes and getting a good view like you know, the practice sessions and working with the coaches at the senior bowl to me has always been the creme de la creme when it comes to the scouting and things have really changed uh, making myself sound old now since I've been doing draft work since year 2000. But um, you know, now everything's televised. It's not, you don't have to be right there on the field. I mean, obviously there's things uh, you miss when you're not there, but uh, now so much of this is televised. It's gotten to the point where, I mean, think about this years ago. The draft used to be in a couple-day event that was in a hotel. Now it's, you know, it, it went to it got more and more exposure, and now it's a went from a two-day event to a three-day event. Now you need tickets just to get in. It's it's like a spectacle. And now even practices and measurables and things of that nature are televised through things like the NFL Network and ESPN and different outlets. It's it's come a long way in the last ten years. Yeah, you used to put a lot of trust into certain productions that came out as far as magazines like they had the scoop and you didn't get get to see it really before nfl network blew up 
And now with NFL Network blowing up, I pretty much watched all the practices last week to get a feel for guys. Uh, I watched the game. I watched it over again today uh, just to get a feel on some guys. And I'll be hitting these reports once I touch up the other ones. But, no, I've got a long list of names here of guys who just, you know, some I've hit on, but a lot I haven't, and some guys who really impressed. Yeah, and really, you know, it's good to watch the game, but really the practices and how how different players kind of interact with coaches or particular teams that seem to take a shining interest or kind of just looking for players that are going to fit their systems, their new schemes. And a lot of times that can change from year to year with the turnover that we see when coaching staffs nowadays. It's, it's not always just the, the plug and play like you used to, you used to think like it used to be, you look at a defensive lineman as a, is it a, a three, four guy, four, three guy, uh, you know, five technique, one gap guy. I mean, what's it really going to be? And now there's just so much, specialty as far as position coaching that it can really change from year to year. So it's really a big deal for a lot of these teams to be there. Not, not just the head coaches, but the individual, uh, the, the staff, uh, individual position coaches. So uh, let, let's kind of start on offense. Um, I'll let you, I'll let you take the lead here as far as a quarterback or some of the other skill positions, what kind of stood out to you, you can start with practices and then the game. Well, I'll, uh, Again, turn it over to Buddy here. You've watched the game a couple times and uh, the practices. What 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 did you come away with on offense that really kind of struck a chord with you? Well, sticking away from the quarterbacks, so that's a special conversation for maybe a little bit. Um, Debo Samuel and Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella from Little UMass and Debo Samuel from South Carolina uh, showed me a lot in this past week. Isabella is a slot type guy. With a little bit more speed than you usually get out of your slot guy. He had a lot of yards after the catch this year. I believe he had 1,600 yards total, including a 303-yard game against Liberty. So this is a guy who is in the slot. Um, during the week, they really had to work on his footwork with him. Uh, he was getting to the stem and dancing rather than getting out of the break and making it happen. And as the week went on and the game went on, you went to see him do that. And I truly believe he may be ahead. I love Hunter Renfro. The guy's classic. The guy's two championships, a championship catch. This Isabella kid may rank ahead of him going into the draft. And I think it's going to be measurable to like arm left and hand, hand size. And those are the things we're going to learn at the combine that could boost this kid up. And I think Debo Samuel right now is a four-down player, a guy who can give you kick returns, punt returns, and be on the field as a wide receiver. Uh, just going through the offensive line, uh, there was a lot of talk about a Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State. He was there with uh, Ryan Lindley, who's the quarterback, and um, kind of got in there with the bigger defensive lineman and wasn't able to hold his own. You can tell he's going to be a zone Zone scheme type of offensive lineman, uh, probably early on. They were saying they compared to Jason Kelsey. So we'll see about that. Uh, on the defensive side, the big boys up front, Greg Gaines from Washington was a guy who impressed me. He had the ability to get off the snap quick, get his hands extended, shed, make the tackle, and move on. He did it in the game. He was doing it in practices. And the other guy I moved up, I 
Sure, you saw my mock is Rakia Sin from Temple. Cornerback, about uh, average size, but I just like the physicality and the hands. And I think he'll get called early in his career for some flags, but he really is a good cover corner. So those were some guys off the first team that stuck with me. Yeah, well, well, it's very interesting you brought up Debo Samuel. He's a guy that I really have, have liked all year. It's really To him, it's really going to come down to health. There's been some health issues over the last couple of years, but kind of a good size, kind of, an, uh, kind of a weirder build. He really kind of holds a lot of weight there and doesn't really look the part. Uh, looks uh, like a little bit of a, a thinner type, but uh, for some, somehow he's, he's usually playing in the 210 to 215 range. But uh, he's a guy, again, uh, and the right system stays healthy. I think he is just a, a value pick in this draft. And one guy on the offensive line I really like, again, injuries cost him a lot last year. Is he more a guard, a center? But Dalton Risner out of uh, uh, Kansas State, I think, is a guy who's kind of flown under the radar. I think he's a guy that that, that helps his case a lot. Really, uh, really, I'm a big Dalton Risner fan. That, that's a guy who just has that nasty kind of streak to him. It's not always – I mean, it's it's good to have the, you know, good technique and, and be a good offensive lineman and show you're a leader. But, you know, th- there has to be kind of one guy in that locker room that's kind of got that just nasty kind of streak to him. Sometimes you see a little more on the defensive line, but Dalton Risner looks technically sound, but just kind of has that, just kind of plays with a physicality and a nasty streak without being dirty. And that's something I really respect. He's a, he's a guy that I really like. And I think another you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for the small school guys. Um, a couple that really, I kind of went in opposite directions for me. Uh, one, obviously, uh, Kalen Saunders out of um, uh, uh, Western Illinois, the, the uh, defensive tackle was kind of the media darling, you know, was there. And mm-hmm. it's the birth of his daughter. That was kind of a big story. Played well in the game, actually uh, contributed, had a sack. Not a guy that really wowed you off the page, but he didn't look lost either. He kept up with everything. And I, I just think that, that he's a guy who definitely moved into, I still think he's a day three pick, but I think the, you know, maybe even the end of day two, one of those surprise guys, it all takes his one team. I think he'll be on a couple of boards uh, for day two. I don't think he gets called there. I think he's ultimately like a late round four, early round five pick, but I think he'll get some consideration. Um, but, uh, He's a guy that I really, really liked, and oh gosh, going to have to help me out here. I think the uh, the Washburn, uh, the it's it's a, darn it, I should have had it up here. The, the name's escaping me. The cornerback, really, he's a guy that I think was getting a lot of play, and unfortunately, uh, he is a guy that looked a little bit lost. I think Corey Valentine. Thank you very much. It was oh, I kept saying Valentine. I'm like, I know that's not right. And a lot of times, you're seeing these small school guys are not as behind the curve as, you know, a lot of, a lot of people kind of think sometimes they just kind of write them off because they see, Oh, you know, the, the level of competition just isn't there or they're a division two guy. They're an NA, NAIA guy. This is a guy that did look a little bit, had, had a little bit of a deer in the headlights kind of a look to him at times. I still think he's going to be drafted. He's going to be a, a prospect guy. All the intangibles are there. To me, he's like a seventh round guy that you put on a practice squad for a year, you coach him up, and you kind of turn him loose. Really like the intangibles there for the long run. To me, he just doesn't look like a guy that's going to come into the league and really contribute a lot in year one. But uh, I think that someone, he's eventually that's someone that's really going to contribute 
And sometimes with the smaller school guys, that's really what I look for more because you want to see how they react to kind of the bigger lights, the big stage. And, uh, you know, some really run with it and thrive, and others, unfortunately, like Ballantyne, kind of go in the opposite direction. So what else kind of stood out with you for this game? Or, or maybe if you want to take it to the quarterbacks, because as you stated, quarterbacks is a whole other conversation and a beast within itself. Yeah, just because it's deemed not a good class, but yet there's need at the top. So a team's going to reach, a team's going to move around. You have the Kyler Murray possibility thrown in there too. And I just looked at the seniors who were there, and uh, Drew Locke was okay to me. He got a lot of praise. There were two balls he threw downfield that uh, he, we he, we have to protect the lives of security guards working the sidelines. And they, they, they were just way off. I mean, out of bounds by a good 10 yards on some deep balls. Uh, he hit some underneath stuff. Uh, I watch... Daniel Jones, and it just, I don't see it athletically with him. Like, he's a guy who had, like, a 70-yard touchdown run this year, and I saw it with my own eyes and just his feet flopping everywhere and hands everywhere. Like, I think he's hes a guy you really got to work with on his mechanics. Uh, the two guys were Lindley and Stidham as far as the arm strength and the comfortableness and playing, you know, taking the snap from center. I just thought those two were the best two quarterbacks. I just didn't see it with Daniel Jones and Drew Locke or or Will Greer. I think all those guys are day two, day three picks. Jones is a guy that I do like, even though he's from that dreaded uh, D school that I don't like to talk about being a North Carolina person. But uh, he definitely is – I think if you would have seen, I think the surprise decision by uh, Justin Herbert, who ultimately I think probably made the right decision, but there were still many who thought that this is the guy that's going to go at the top of the class. So maybe because of that, it, it's kind of the wrong decision, people would say, because uh, he, he was really, to me, the only guaranteed guy that I thought was slam dunk going in the first round. Mm-hmm. Even though he did not have the type of year that I think he wanted to, to have, There's a there's a big kind of push for him to, to play with his brother there at Oregon. So, you know, he's staying an extra year. But uh, Daniel Jones, because of that, I think he's one of those guys that everyone kind of assumed was going to go back to school. And once that opened up, you saw the Dwayne Haskins uh, out of Ohio State, the uh, the uh, the redshirt sophomore kind of throw his name in, Daniel Jones. That kind of had a ripple effect. And uh, I think it would have been – Interesting to see what he done would have done with another year of seasoning. There's definitely some talent there, but uh, you know he's very, very raw. I think Stidham, and and it's it, it's interesting because by by all accounts, a lot of praise. Guy who you know plays in the SEC and sees probably the closest you're going to see to NFL type defensives and just level of play. It, it was kind of a, a year where he struggled, but then again, there were also some changes along the coaching staff and the way that, that Auburn uh, kind of attacked uh, with, with their offensive style of play. So this could have been, I, I think it was a very important week for Stidham to kind of show that, okay, it's not just me struggling this year. This might've had something to do with the system and some, some other factors. So I think he kind the of saved some there as well. So um, I, I think he's a guy that, 
was probably looking at a fourth or fifth round. It's probably moved into the second or third round at, at uh, really to me right now. And really with a couple of people in front of him could be in a prime position to land with one of these teams that uh, take a quarterback a little bit later that are in good shape, say like a new England where we have him in our latest mock, maybe San Diego to have some established veterans. You can kind of sit him for a year or two and it, it's really kind of a good situation. So maybe he doesn't make the impact right off the bat, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, but he can just sit there and kind of soak it in. And when he eventually gets his chance in a couple of years, you know, he's off and running. No, I totally agree with you on that aspect of it. And, you know, there's more projects. Uh, Tyree Jackson is going to be more of a project six, seven. He, uh, he showed a hose though, especially on that slant on the touchdown pass that he had to uh, West Virginia. Uh, David Sills? Uh, Gary Jennings. Gary Jennings. Oh, Gary nope, Jennings. the other receiver, not Sills. Sills was in late, had a few catches with Tyree Jackson also. Yeah, just looking around, Dalen Mack got the invite to both the East Watch Shrine game, and then, you know, he's practicing without a jersey all week and uh, <laughs> made some impact plays in there. So, yeah, and Nasir Adelaide from Delaware, where I'm not sure where he falls on your mark. Strong safety round three. Yeah, definitely that safety kind of cornerback. We have him as the second pick in round three going to San Francisco. I believe that's 67 overall. So he's a guy that's like a a LaMarcus Joyner. And we could, every now and again, we always see a couple of those players toward the end of round one that everyone kind of has graded as a, a late round two guy, maybe, you know, somewhere picked in the, in the third round, and they kind of sneak into the first round because there's just a team that's in love with him. Three or four of those players that you can think of, and one of them has probably got to be Adderley. Uh, he could be uh, he could be that guy that sneaks into the first round. Is probably the first um, F- FCS, non-FBS player that gets drafted uh, in this draft. Of course, a lot of people know him just from the highlights. He was the guy that, uh, during his uh, kickoff return, trucked that player on the sideline, stopped, and then just took it to the house anyway. <laughs> but uh, the Blue Hens, Delaware's got a, a pretty good tradition for uh, turning out some very good prospects. So overall, I think it was excuse me, a very good senior bowl. And as far as, you know, you had a person like John Gruden there, which I think is important because Oakland has, I think, about every fourth pick in this draft seems to be going to Oakland. So yeah. it looks like they're going to be filling their team with a lot of these players that we see. So um, overall, very good experience. And now, it's going to come down to pro days and, you know, we've got the combine. So uh, it, it's really getting real, especially once the Super Bowl will conclude at the end of this week, it, all the talk is going to be on the draft and it really, really gets real. We're, we're under 90 days till draft day now. Yeah, we're getting there. I know the 25th of April kind of got the day circled on the calendar. You know how it is. We're just trying to get as much in as we can. Absolutely. Well, and another thing that we've alluded to, is uh, Mock Draft 16.0 is up and available on uh, draftsite.com. So we'll kind of look at that, maybe go through the first round, um, maybe talk about some uh, potential picks that uh, if you like the pick, if not, maybe some other people you think they'd look at, or uh, depending upon uh, this mock, who you think uh, could be a good fit here. So at the top of the draft, we've currently got Nick Bosa, going number one to Ohio State. To me, is Nick Bosa a slam dunk to you right now at number one for Arizona? Is that a slam dunk pick? 
Does Arizona entertain the idea of a trade? Or do you think there's anyone else that possibly uh, fits that bill? Because I think he's the slam dunk player, although I think most of the focus is going to be on the offensive line and getting some help around Josh Rosen, getting him some weapons. But to me, Bosa's probably the slam dunk. What do you feel about this top pick? No, at this point in time, he is the top pick. Um, Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen, the other two guys who I think could work their way into that pick. And the real wild card is Kyler Murray. And I say that because Kingsbury loves him, and they could sell high on Rosen. Team like the Giants, team like Jacksonville, somebody up still in that top 15, and they could end up with two picks. So I think that's an aspect that uh, really hasn't been talked about enough. Uh, Kingsbury really wants him. It's not unlike, you know, new systems to come in and get rid of the old. So I'd keep an eye on that. But if you're going right now, those are the three guys who I think would be number one for Arizona. And I think if they're going three, four, I feel like Allen and Quinn and Williams are better fit. I think Quinn and Williams would be a good five technique with a size at six, four, 300. And Josh Allen's your outside clutch Chandler Jones. So those are the three guys who I could see moving him out of that spot. Agreed. And I think that Arizona is probably going to stay put. I, I, even though there is the three guys you mentioned are the three guys at the top of our draft. We have Allen going two to San Francisco and Williams going three to the Jets. But I don't really get the feeling that there's a team that's below them that really wants to make an impact or really make the splash that much, with the exception of Oakland, maybe with those three first-round picks. I, let, let, let's put on our GM hat here. We're Mike Mayock, uh, <laughs> the new GM there, the guy who knows the draft very, very well. Do you think Oakland just kind of sits back and they're going to stockpile, or do you see them kind of moving up? Is, is it more about quantity? Is it more about quality? with these Oakland picks. I think they're in a good position to kind of stay where they're at. Uh, currently Oakland in the first round, they're going to be picking four, 24 and 27. But, but again, it, a team like Arizona, if, if you're Arizona, if, if that gets offered to you, do you jump on it? If, if I'm off at those three picks with Ar- what Arizona needs, I am jumping all over it. <laughs> Cause I and, think, and wh- I, yeah. I think Arizona yeah. needs to help more than the Raiders do, just by a little bit. Because right now it's Patrick Peterson, the ghost of Larry Fitzgerald, which is still a pretty damn good ghost, and Josh Rosen, who I'm not sold on to begin with. And uh, Fitzgerald says he's back for season number 16, so uh, he's made that uh, apparent this week. And with Oakland, if they do make the, the move at the number one pick, you've got to think it would probably be Allen. I think there's a, there's a lot of people who really want that speed rushing linebacker, get someone to kind of be the new Khalil Mack per se. Uh, Those are some awful big shoes to kind of step into. But uh, we have Allen at two right now. Again, in our mock, we're we're assuming that no trades are going to happen, but we can talk about some teams that might be wheeling or dealing or what they might be thinking. But staying put, we have the Jets with Quinnen Williams at three, uh, the defensive end. We've also talked about defensive end slash tackle that can – play just about anywhere on the line, especially for a team like the Jets. Uh, you put him with a with a Leonard Williams, and if they're going to give uh, Williams a big contract, that could be a, a dynamic duo. Or, again, maybe they feel that 
Williams is more the guy, and you, you let a person like uh, Leonard Williams walk. Oakland, if they stay put at four, uh, it, it, this was kind of splitting hairs, but I got Ed Oliver there, who for the longest time uh, we, we actually had as the number one prospect until Bosa kind of overtook him earlier in the year. Uh, see if, if Oliver is going to be the type that will get uh, Chucky kind of going. And we do have Greedy Williams, uh, number five. I still like Murphy out of Washington, but I think Williams is the safer, kind of more sound pick that maybe Tampa Bay goes with. I think Murphy's more boomer bust, very, very uh, young. So we have him slipping a little further in this draft because of that. Um, I could see Murphy going at five, but if there's a consensus, pro- Greedy Williams, probably the top corner uh, on most people's mocks, and, and we have him going number five to Tampa Bay, whose secondary has been atrocious the last three years. Uh, they've given up more passing yards than any, any team in the NFL. Yeah, no, I'm now the, enjoying what you're saying. I'm just listening in and kind of following along. <laughs> well, then at six and seven, this is where it gets interesting because this is where we have the Giants and Jacksonville. And if you're thinking the two teams that probably jump off the board immediately saying these are the teams that need quarterbacks. So seeing the, the teams that we have in front of them, Arizona, Frisco, the Jets, Oakland, Tampa Bay, do you feel like there's a team there that might be willing to trade back? Or if one of these teams makes a move up the board for a quarterback, maybe even behind them, maybe Denver at 10, maybe realizing the Case Keenum's not the long-term solution. Uh, Cincinnati, they, they don't, there's not really a viable backup there. A.J. McCarron's gone. Uh, Andy Dalton's getting a little bit older. Maybe Miami at 13. If someone jumps up and makes a move in this draft, who's your money on? Who do you think the most likely team is? And it could still be Jacksonville or the Giants, even though we've seen in years past that just because a team needs a quarterback, it doesn't mean they're not going to move up and and really, really take the player that they want to, and they, they kind of fear those other teams making a move. But who seems the most likely to kind of make a move to you? I could see Miami on that list, trying to get up to get one of the quarterbacks. Uh, saw something today about Sandy Hill possibly ended up in Washington to replace Alex Smith with this gruesome injury he has. Uh, Denver, definitely. Supposedly, they're smitten on Drew Locke was the exact quote I read. But John Elway's in love with him, which he was also in love with Paxton Lynch, so take that for what it's worth. And maybe another team that might be looking at a quarterback, 16, Carolina. How bad is this shoulder injury for Cam Newton? He's he. They've talked about him having an Andrew Luck type miss miss the season, and now you're talking about a guy who got drafted in 2011 with a shoulder injury. You know, it's further along down the career than Andrew Luck was, where you sat there and played Jacoby Brissett and hope he came back. But maybe a time for a change there. It's possible Maybe we saw two different people. quarterbacks, uh, Tyler Heineke and Kyle, Kyle Allen, make uh, starts at the end of the year. So, uh, And Kyle Allen's a guy that kind of got a lot of play and was taken in the seventh round. And It's interesting with Denver, before Chad Kelly kind of made his misstep and got booted off the team, uh, he was a guy who had passed Paxton Lynch on the depth chart. Uh, Lynch opened uh, the year last year at number three. Kelly was a guy that I thought mm-hmm. had a, a sneaky kind of chance but unfortunately, he's he seems to not have it between the ears per se. And unfortunately, kind of played him nope. played his way out of a, a position there in Denver. But we've got Dwayne Haskins again. With assuming no moves are made, going to the Giants at six, 
We have Jacksonville kind of avoiding a quarterback there. Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, and, and props to Rashawn Gary, starting his own uh, uh, talent agency as well, basically going to be a uh, agent. So that's a very interesting move uh, at seven there out of Jacksonville. And I think that there's a lot to be said here. It's not so much the head coaches all the time, but again, we talked about the position coaches and different moves that are made. You've got John DeFilippo in there now in Jacksonville, who was the person who was removed with a lot of a, a very highly publicized move at the end of the year when Minnesota's offense was sputtering and they kind of gave that playoff spot away. But DeFilippo, a guy who worked exclusively with Nick Foles for a couple of years, uh, has been with him in multiple stops. So if there's a chance, of course, the Nick Foles saga is going to, probably going to come up again. Does Philadelphia move him? If they do, that seems to be the, you know, the ding, 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 all signs kind of pointing to Jacksonville. If that had, can, can you see that marriage happening? Nick Foles going to I absolutely do. My, and I agree with you, and that's why, that's why we have Rashawn Gary going there, because if, if Nick Foles goes anywhere, it just seems to be the logical, the logical move. No, the veteran quarterback for a team that has the pieces just needs to have it put together. I mean, they haven't lost a lot of the talent that got them to the AFC Championship two years ago. Uh, they'll have to make some cap moves, but they've drafted well behind, and they've got guys coming up through the system. So I, I think that'd be a great move. Uh, it'd be the him or Flacco, as far as I'm concerned, going to Jacksonville. Agree, and again, that's why we have Gary going there. We're going to go uh, a little bit further in the in the first round here. Detroit, maybe not the biggest need, but just because he's the best linebacker by far on on this chart, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, seems to be a uh, – to me, that would seem to be the Darius Leonard-type slam dunk guy who can come in and make an immediate impact. I think you put Devin White in Detroit, he's the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Even though there's some players in front of him, like Quinn and Williams, like Nick Bosa, that we think is more talented, a guy that just has a chance to make an impact on a team – that really needs help and, and depth at linebacker, I think he could come into Detroit and just day one, just play lights out. Uh, Jonah Williams, nope, I totally uh, the offensive agree. tackle from Alabama uh, at nine. And you talked about Drew Locke uh, being in, in, in love as far as John Elway really loving him. And that's where we have him right now, 10 uh, to Denver. Yeah, no, that seems to be a, the right fit. And that could be the team we're talking about that's moving up to get a quarterback because they've desperately been looking. I mean, they haven't been able to draft one. They've been able to bring Manning over, but to be able to draft one, no, they haven't been able to do that. Well, we're kind of going to go five at a time here. So 11 to 15, we've got Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida, going to Cincinnati. Clellan Farrell, defensive end from Clemson, going to Green Bay. Don't be surprised if Green Bay uses both their first-round picks on, on pass rushers. I think we're going to see three maybe in the first uh, five rounds that definitely – I need some speed and uh, a presence there, especially with Clay Matthews and his long-term future kind of up in the air in Green Bay. Kyler Murray, we have him slipping in there to Miami, thinking that uh, if uh, no other move is made, or again, could be that team that moves up. I think they're very likely. At 14, Christian Wilkins, I think he's a guy that really kind of has moved up play toward the end of the year, and unfortunately the kind of his teammate being Dexter Lawrence backpedaling a little bit. I think it really benefits mm -hmm. Christian Wilkins. I think he's a great fit in Atlanta. And we have Daniel Jones to Washington. Again, uh, I think you'd have to sit him 
Washington's a mess, but uh, Washington has not always made the greatest QB decision. So uh, I think doing something like that is, is not something beyond the realm of possibility. Anything in those five picks that kind of stand out to you? I think Christian Williams Wilkins is a really good fit in Atlanta. I think that's a, a home run for them if they can grab him at that point in the draft and try to get these outside guys, you know, maybe more one-on-ones in the ability to get to the quarterback. Because those guys, McKinley, which we already had an off-the-field inter, uh, incident recently too. Rick Beasley, yes, his numbers have dipped over the years, so maybe they need that interior three technique who shoots the gap and gets in the backfield and helps them out. I think Christian Wilkins is a good pick to Atlanta. Well, we'll go 16 to 12. Well, again, going five uh, strong here. And again, here, all SEC picks 16 to 20. As a matter of fact, 17 through 20, all Mississippi State or Mississippi. Uh, It starts off with Carolina uh, with DeAndre Baker, the corner out of Georgia. Then, of course, we have the Mississippi State-Mississippi show. Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, going to Cleveland at 17. Greg Little, the offensive tackle out of Old Miss, going to Minnesota. His teammate, wide receiver A.J. Brown, going to Tennessee. And Montez uh, Sweet out of, out of uh, Mississippi State at 20, going to Pittsburgh, maybe giving them another presence or another piece, uh, kind of put there with the T.J. Watt and the fact that, you know, they're still kind of down the linebacker. I think they'll, they may even look inside a little bit later, someone to kind of be that long-term kind of piece for Ryan Shazier as well. Yeah, you can get some uh, movement between Dupree, Watt, and Sweat as far as a rotation of three or play them all in a NASCAR type formation and, you know, line up one inside on a guard and try to win a one-on-one battle. Going 21 to 25 here. We have Noah Font, first tight end off the board, going to Seattle. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, you know, going back to the SEC, Florida, uh, outside linebacker, going to Baltimore, you know, sticking with strength there, doing what they do best, get after the quarterback. Cody Ford, the offensive guard out of Oklahoma, might be a guard, but uh, there's some people who feel that he's the best overall line prospect in this draft, and we've seen it the last few years. Uh, look at the, the home run that the – uh, that the, the Colts have seemed to have with Quentin Nelson this past year. Uh, pick number two for Oakland, we have Mac Wilson, the inside linebacker out of Alabama. Philadelphia 25, we have a Draymond Jones in Ohio State. Really because I feel there's going to be uh, Chris Long might not be back, and I think this is the year maybe Philadelphia, a, a player that we don't hear a lot about, Brandon Graham, doesn't. he's not that star player, but there's a lot of people who would, I think, give Brandon Graham some money and, there's the possibility here that maybe Philadelphia tries to move him before and get something for him uh, and, and, and kind of draft a replacement because I think there's going to be some, some turnover on that defensive line. And to me, the Philadelphia Super Bowl run, the depth on defensive line, I think was, was, the, key, was the key component to that uh, team making the run that they did. My favorite player in this whole draft right now is Cody Ford. And if you watch tape on him, he played right tackle. He was unbelievable at right tackle. His height is 6'2". Kind of got an Isaiah Wynn thing going on. I'm curious as to what his arm length and hand hand size is going to be. More importantly, the arm length uh, for his position at the next level. I mean, there was one play where he pulled out on a screen, 
drove a guy out of bounds and into two coaches and knocked them over too. And he's just a dancing bear. He, his feet are unbelievable. I counted him on the ground one time in the three games I watched. That's how good he was. And you got to think Houston needs help at just about every position. Uh, You know, keeping Deshaun Watson upright is really, I think going to be priority number one for this year. They're they're lucky he's so mobile, or it could have really been ugly. It could have been a David Carr, you know, part two, uh, if not for his mobility. So as, mm-hmm. as we look at 26 through 32, we're kind of going to fill out the first round here and then uh, talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. We've got Indianapolis with Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. Slips a little bit, but to, to me, I think he's the, the best wide receiver in this draft. Not just overall, not a big speed guy, not the best hands, but if you just look at the overall package, uh, precise preciseness of, of running routes. And I think really in a system where I don't think it truly utilized his uh, everything he was able to give, I think that Harry could be the, the guy that we see at the next level that, that really kind of uh, goes above and beyond. We have Deontay Thompson, the safety out of Alabama, being that third pick for Oakland. So right now with Oakland, I, I've got their three picks. I have them going some offensive players in, in round two, but I, we've got them with Ed Oliver, Mac Wilson, and Deontay Thompson. I think that's quite a defensive haul if they're able to pull something like that off. The Chargers so at 28, right up Lawrence. Yeah, the uh, defensive tackle. We have Byron Murphy going all the way down to uh, Kansas City at 29, and you know it, it's no secret what uh, linebacker and cornerback uh, is going to be the help. Uh, that uh, where where Kansas City is going to need it most. We saw them get torched in the AFC Championship game. Zach Allen, defensive end out of Boston College, going to Green Bay. We do have them with two pass rushers. Allen's a guy that can play the run very well also. Brian Burns, maybe being that defensive specialist, going to the Rams at 31. Not a huge, huge Brian Burns guy, but if there's a guy that uh, can come in and maybe give you like 15 really good plays where he's going to get after it, uh, maybe be more of a pass rushing specialist. I think the Rams have the, the depth to to kind of do that. And uh, we have New England picking last right now, which, again, it could be either way. We'll see who's 31 and 32 after this week. But we've got Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama. Is it uh, the swan song for Rob Gronkowski? Even if he does come back, probably looking for a, a replacement the next year or two. So we've got Irv Smith Jr. out of uh, Alabama being the uh, the person to do so. So those last picks, what kind of stands out to you? Just right off Zach Allen and Green Bay. He'd be a good five technique in that 3-4. Uh, he does an excellent job at setting the edge and gap integrity. I mean, he is a fundamentally sound guy. Wins with power, a few moves. But, uh, yeah, I could see that working out. I had him very high in my mock going to hit Detroit just because it's all the principles of the Patriots defense. And I look at Zach Allen and think, that's a Patriot right there. That's exactly what they want in their system. And I'm with you on Brian Burns. I'm not a big fan. He's a run-around type guy. He isn't going to engage a lot of people. So very curious how he's going to be at the next level. But they have Dante Fowler on their roster now who does the same thing. So uh, that could be a pretty good fit there too. All right. Well, that kind of gives everyone the the mock. And, again, that's going to be updated uh, soon here as well. Uh, we, we've always got it going. It's seven rounds deep. We even have that extra round kind of fit in there for compensatory picks, and those will be slotted in when they are officially announced. But, well, we've got a couple minutes, uh, maybe about four or five minutes real quick to go over the Super Bowl. And 
what you're kind of looking for, but you know, people who've listened before or followed you, they know that you are, you are the consummate Patriot fan. You are in Patriot country. So we're going to, we're going to make you the spokesman for the Patriots here. You're kind of going to give us the game plan, what it's going to take for you to win, why you think the Patriots would win. So I will, even though I think the Patriots are going to win as well, I'm, I'm, you just find it hard to bet against them when they have so much experience at, at this point. I'm going to take the take the reins and I'm going to play the same the same kind of role for the Rams. So I'll let you start with the Patriots. What is it that you need for a victory on Sunday? Why do you think you're going to win? I think it's going to come down to the offensive line. I think specifically running between the area of Joe Tooney, David Andrews, and Shaq Mason, and wham blocking Sue with Gronkowski, and just opening up the holes and making Barron and other undersized guys try to make tackles of the run game. And I think if you can establish that early, that's where you're going to get the play action and be able to hit some plays off of that. So I, I really do think it comes down to those three interior linemen on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, the Amobi front, but I don't know if you're going to run a lot of that with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson in the backfield. I think Trey Flowers needs to come up big. He, As you can see, he's, he's one of those guys who's so underrated around the league, which is good as far as trying to pay the guy this year. Yeah, just that Amobi front and Van Noy playing the edge and Dante Hightower, you know, making the tackles inside because uh, they're going to see a lot of that run, and it comes with a lot of window dressing. Uh, they have a lot of plays in the system, but it kind of gets enhanced by how they're always putting guys in motion, receivers around the back. So it's a matter of digging through the window dressings, focusing on your job, and getting in there and making tackles on these backs. Because I think if Goff has to drop back 40, 50 times and not have McVeigh in his ear, he's in big trouble. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to take the L.A. Rams and what I think they have to do. First off, I think you're, we hear so much about Tom Brady's numbers being down so much when it comes to facing the rush and being blitzed. Uh, I believe he ranked 31st out of the 32 starting quarterbacks uh, this, this year when it comes to the blitz. But again, you know, he, he's stayed relatively clean. You alluded to it. The offensive line has done a great job. I really don't think it's and, – and you watch the Patriots, obviously, more than I do. But tell me if you think I'm on the right track with this. I really don't think that it's more off the edge. To me, Brady looks more bothered when the pressure comes right up the gut. And I think yeah, that's obviously that, that is where if the Rams are going to do this, you've got you know two studs of defensive tackle. So I think uh, having two of them, it's really going to be along the, the interior line. And it, maybe it only takes one play. I mean, we saw last year there was really only – it came down to as much offense as we saw in that Patriots-Eagles game. It came down to one play. Someone had to make a play on defense, and it was Brandon Graham, and Brandon Graham yep. moving inside, giving him pressure up the gut, lining up uh, again kind of in that, that formation where they, they kind of put the ends on the inside. They do a lot with Michael Bennett as well. That's where you know he got the strip, and he got the fortuitous bounce right to Derek Barnett. And I think if the Rams win this game or if they're going to have a lot of success, it's going to come down to those tackles is – so much attention going to be there they're, with two stars there. You can't put like four people and double team these guys at all times. So it's, 
it's no secret that Dom and Dominican Sue has really late raised his level of play in the playoffs. And I think it's going to take one more game because to me, Brady, I think still does a very good job when the pressure's coming from the outside. He's got that, uh, you know, he's got that veteran presence. He can move around in the pocket. Yeah. He's not the most nimble guy, but he can step around, feel the pressure. Got that Ben Roethlisberger attribute to him where he, he finds just enough time to make a throw. It's when the pressure is right up the gut. And I think if, the Rams are to win this game. I think they're going to have to bother him right right up the gut, put the linebackers back in the middle of the field, and hope for some mistakes. Because uh, I don't think we're going to see Bill Belichick get outcoached again. I just think he's too good of a coach. I think he was outcoached last year by, by Doug Peterson. On, but, I mean, Bill Belichick's probably the best coach that's been at the NFL level. I, <laughs> that happening two years in a row – I would not take those odds regardless of who the opponent is. He just prepares just, just too much, just knows everything. I think it's going to be a relatively close game. As good as the Patriots are, it's always a close game. I can't recall really them blowing anyone out in the Super Bowl. I've got this game no, thirty I'm... to twenty I've got this game thirty to twenty six in favor of New England. I'd like to hear your score. But I really think the best chance for the Rams, it's gotta be pressure up the middle, get in Brady's face quick off the line and uh but but that's kind of a tall order david andrews and shaq mason that interior line have, have done a great job in new england so what do you see the score being i got it is 34 21 new england i might actually be able to rest in the fourth quarter of the game finally and not i'm in patriot years i'm 255 years old so i've done through <laughs> a lot of these yeah, and being a, an Eagle fan and finally seeing the, the win last year, um, I can say that I believe it started the end of the third quarter. Um, I threw up four times during the game last year, so uh, it kind of got yeah, to me Yeah, usually well. it's before the game for me. So, <laughs> believe it or not, I started my cooking already, or mm-hmm. at least my meat sautéing and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I won't eat any of it before the game. Well, promises to be a great game, and again – once that's over, there's no off season. There, I mean, there's no off season in NFL land. I mean, the, we go right into the draft. That's the thing that I love. There's no off season in the NFL, so it'll be right in our sweet spot as well. But I do want to say, on behalf of uh, Buddy, another great show. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with another podcast very soon, and I'm going to make the request for uh, for Jared to to take us out with some harmony uh, harmony hall. The the new uh, the new Vampire Weekend song. Finally, we get a new album after five years. I'm stoked. But everybody, have a have a good time on Sunday. Do what I do. Call out on Monday. Take take the uh, vacation day. You've earned it. Uh, have a great one, buddy. Look forward to talking to you soon. Look forward to talking to you soon, uh, everybody out there. Check out the mocks. Check out the scouting reports, and give us your feedback. That's what we what we're here for. I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender. But they don't remember Anger wants a voice Voices want to sing Sinners harmonize Till they can't hear anything Thought that I was free From all that questioning But every time a problem is Another one begins